from an engineer to UX designer to user researcher, and now a mental wellness coach, Sridhar's journey has been a roller coaster ride. Only a wise and talented person can switch so effortlessly and excel in each field. Sridhar was one of the first people to guide me when I switched to user research. His perspective is not only helpful for a budding user researcher, but for anyone wanting to take their career to the next level. I am your host Sweekriti, and this is India's first user and UX research podcast, Core User to UX. Hi, Sridhar. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. You are one of my first user research friends. <laughs> so. To- um, because I had doubts when I came in first into the field and you gladly solved them. So thank you so much for being there. And now inviting you to my podcast, you're doing me a double favor. <laughs> <laughs> sure, you know, hey, sweet Priti, you know, I'm so happy and glad to be here. It's always good, you know, catching up with a friend. Awesome. So... Let's directly get into the gist of our meeting <laughs> and start to discuss what both of us love, that is user research. And yeah. uh, you were an engineer and then a designer, and then you finally became a researcher. <laughs> so that has been a really interesting journey, although not unique. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanks for that- keeping me grounded. <laughs> anyway. So one thing that we have discussed about and that really caught my attention is that, you know, user research is a touch point with customers. Like you have sales, then you have customer support, but user research is a really different touch point directly coming from the product side, right? Hmm. And uh, the nature of the field is such that you can sense what is going wrong or what will go wrong. It's like those people who were saying before 2008 crisis that, okay, something is really wrong, but people were not listening to them. (laughs) So I I would really want you to talk about that aspect. And it is important coming from your mouth. I tell you why, because you have worked in startups. Yeah. yeah. Which are like a very dynamic environment. Anything can happen at any day. So please tell your experience of, you know, being a user researcher and sensing if things are going wrong, basically sensing the yeah. danger. Yeah, definitely. You know, that's a really interesting question, right? So, you know, when it comes to interaction with the users, so there are many people in an organization who are in touch with the users, your customer support team, your sales team, be it product managers, designers, the researchers, everybody, you know, a lot of people are in touch with the users. So we do not have complete monopoly over that. But what kind of sets user researchers apart from the other members is our ability to collate all those different data points to zoom out and see the big picture view of things, right? For instance, you know, a customer support person might be able to, you know, glean some insights, but, you know, they might not have the full picture of what is going on in the product, what the product roadmap looks like and things like that. So now as a researcher, you know, what I have done or I've seen a lot of good researchers do is to collaborate with people in the organization who are in constant contact with the users. 
see like as a researcher we have limited bandwidth limited time and there are only so many members in the team like how many calls can we take but when we try to you know like uh, have a partnership and collaborate with other members we'll be able to get much uh, uh, wider variety of data and much more uh, quality of insights so you know like user researchers like you said you know are kind of have like a sixth sense when it comes to sensing you know what's out there you know it's uh, we are kind of like uh, psychics in some sense i could say and like user research itself is a very ambiguous thing right like sometimes you know when you're working with the especially with the startup and if it's in an early stage or something there is going to be so much of uncertainty is the product market fit there if it is there then how do we scale and if we are scaling how do we defend ourselves from the competition and there is no one factor there are multiple factors outside of your control which can you know like impact the success of the product so as user researchers we need to be aware of you know all different points of views and be our own devil's advocate and you know trying to tear down our analysis and things like that and so if i had to give an example of you know from my own life where i sense something okay or not okay you know like couple of years back i was working with you know like a edtech startup and you know like the covid uh, impact was there in general there was a big boom in the edtech sector but then once the second wave started receding and the schools started opening partially we could sense uh, you know there was a shift in the usage patterns right and the students weren't using it that often i was speaking with a lot of parents and parents were actually concerned about their child being on the computer or on the phone all the time even though the child may have actually been using it for studying purposes the parents uh, they are always concerned there is also the concern of too much screen time right even uh, while it started first in like you know in a country like india where you know you start noticing these patterns of okay now i want to go out maybe go to school go to tuition and things like that and companies which did not pay heed to that early signals or the early warnings they all suffered and we saw a huge like a market correction which happened especially in the edtech sector and the companies which actually paid heed to it and made some corrections maybe if they went into a hybrid model or something to add more value to the customers they were the ones who were able to you know like tide over that kind of a crisis so yeah in that sense you know like uh, user researchers have that edge i must say over the other uh, team members when it comes to sensing what's out there both opportunity as well as pitfalls my primary takeaway was that vcs should start hiring user researchers <laughs> absolutely hey we have entrepreneur in residence we have designer in residence why not have a researcher in residence we should have a role like that yeah because only this thing can make sense or maybe talk to user researchers because yeah. the way you're saying it it seems very obvious right that yeah. there's a shift in attitude and people are worried about their mm. children spending time on computer and mm. everything starts from the mind right yeah then it finally manifested into the pitfall or the downfall of it that we saw 
Yeah, adding more features which do not deal with the actual pain points wouldn't have moved the needle in any way. Here, the clear thing is like, I do not want my child to be in front of the computer. Then what else can you do? Just adding few buttons or gamification elements is going to make the cut. Absolutely, absolutely. And I read a very interesting thing just before this call. There's mm -hmm. my favorite author, Nassim Nicholas Taleb, and he just tweeted mm -hmm. that, you know, the messenger is always hated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that means uh, most of user searchers are going to be hated because we have to tell the truth. <laughs> Unfortunate reality. And I've also been on the receiving end of it at times where, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you present these recommendations and things like that. The first thing is, oh, this is qualitative. There is not enough feedback. And, uh, you know, we can't, you know, make a judgment call with it i understand but you know most of the times we don't take just like a few interviews samples and we make very broad insights or directions out of it we try to substantiate it with some other quantitative insights but at the same time it's not like if your uh, total user base is 5 million you can't expect to speak to like i don't know 1 million you know there is a decent level of sample size uh, should give you enough clarity and you know which direction to proceed in that absolutely makes sense because even i have been accused of my data being statistically insignificant <laughs> yes <laughs> that's the famous quote for all the, this thing you know, researchers sometimes I feel like I should make a poster and put it on my screensaver my data is significant <laughs> yeah oh, affirmation right yes my data is significant <laughs> right but at the same time that is where triangulation exists right we are not asking you to stop here this is just yes. the first step now you have been given a direction yeah. And now you have to explore that path on your own. Yes. And that is what people fail to understand that this is just the compass that's showing you, okay, yeah. which direction do we have to head in? It's yeah. our duty again to treat that path and get a quantitative picture of the entire scenario. Yeah. Another researcher gave a beautiful term for it. She called it thick data. I forgot who it was. So she's referred to qual data as thick data. It's got multiple layers. We talk about big data, which is all quant in nature, but qual is thick data. It's like an apples to orange. It's not an uh, fair comparison. Yeah, I guess thick data and big data can actually do wonders. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So another thing, Sridhar, I really wanted to talk about is that your background of working with startups really fascinates me. And I'll tell you why, because I have this image, or maybe it's true, I don't know, that <laughs> startups are hesitant to hire user researchers. Mm. They're like, budget come hai, ya phir, yeah. they have little budget to hire, mm. and they want to just have the high impact roles. I yeah. don't think that how well do they see user research as a valuable asset to their company. Mm -hmm. And in this kind of environment, you have worked with startups. Yeah. So what should one do when mm -hmm. one joins a startup as a first user research hire? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that game like? <laughs> yeah, another great question. So the thing is, you know, like... Uh, 
startups do take some time to you know like make the first research hire and to in a certain extent uh, they are justified in doing that right like in the initial stages when there isn't uh, enough clarity on how to proceed uh, you know a lot of people are already you know it's like boots on the ground kind of an approach so founders are you know talking to users and maybe even the dev teams and things like that so they are doing a little bit of research it might not be like a very structured thing but there is definitely some kind of data which is coming in so because of which you know they do not you know want to go with the researcher in the very early stages you know when they are still trying to figure out what should be the product itself in those stages you know hiring a full time researcher might not even do justice to the researcher only in very few companies they can still be you know like they can add immense value but the thing is unless the higher ups they understand how to utilize research in a zero to one kind of a stage in those scenarios you know they could at least work with maybe like a contract researcher or somebody of that sort so that they get some kind of feedback uh, coming in uh, you know in the early stages and things like that now coming to the question of now that okay you are a researcher and you have been hired at a startup like what do you do so when you are the first researcher at a company it is both a boon as well as a pain one you have a clean slate you can set things up as you wish uh, and the other thing is because there is no precedent everything that you do will be questioned and you will be put under the microscope right so what you uh, you know the pain and i have been the first researcher in startups and you know i have set up the research teams as well so i've gone through this grind and one thing you know it starts during the interview process itself right so when you're being hired as the first researcher you need to understand uh what is the seniority of the role that is being hired for like are you being hired to support a designer or a pm or are you being hired to be the head of research and to be the principal researcher on the team so if it is the former let's say it is a supporting role right then the questions that you must ask during the interview are like is the person who's going to lead me do they understand what research is what are their expectations out of a researcher and you know how can they help me grow in my career so these are certain awkward uncomfortable questions which we must you know ask during the interview we must ask it to the person with whom we are going to work directly with you know there is no point in speaking with some other team lead when you are going to be reporting to somebody else and in the latter case let's say you are being hired as the first principal researcher or the head of research in that case uh, you need to again you know have these conversations with the senior management the founders or cxos or whoever they are to get to know like what is their understanding of research how do they see research fitting you know into the company in the org chart where does it uh, fit right does it report under design or is it a peer to design and does it report to the co-founder and are those co-founders you know open to feedback and suggestions you know this is a very a difficult thing to evaluate in just a few minutes of call but this is where you must use all your skills as a user researcher and ask the right kind of questions to understand you know like will they be open to listening to the suggestions that you have and 
those are the things you know that kind of context setting you know kind of treating it like a, a dating or you know matrimony thing you know like bring out all those baggage and things like that and discuss it and then you know like once you're convinced ha huh, yes you know i can do my best job here then you go on and start working in the company and now once you start working in the company first thing is you know like do not go about criticizing the team nobody likes it you know if they knew to do better research you would be out of his job to so be grateful that they suck at research and don't say it to them that's the best thing and spend the first few days just trying to observe what is happening in the company and imbibe everything that is going on both the product the people who are building the product both is both are important right? at the end of the day the decisions are made by people so you need to understand those power dynamics or whatever it is that is happening in the company and build the domain maybe if you are new to the domain then you need to first build the domain expertise then the product expertise then user expertise it's all like a, those russian nesting dolls like one after the other it comes and initially you know like i used to you know when i joined the company and i was the first user researcher my first request was can we run a survey <laughs> can we do a survey so people never ask like can we do the research people ask can we do a survey so that's the only thing which they knew of course like they would ask that but if i get you know like if i keep correcting them in every sentence or try to point out hey i'm better than you kind of thing it wouldn't have worked out. so i would just let it play out i'm like oh okay oh you want to run a survey oh got it cool. oh, oh what do you want what questions do you want oh okay why are you asking these questions and how are you going to use these questions and then if i feel like hey maybe how about we try this also you know i'll run the survey but how about we try this also don't say right away reject like no i will not run the survey just give them this option and if you do this option then we will get all this kind of a data which would be much helpful now what do you think we should do make sure it feels like they are the ones making the decision right if you keep making the decision and you keep uh, thrusting it forward it will come back and you'll have to do a lot of uh, convincing but when you make the uh, frame it in such a way that uh, it's they they are making the decision okay, there is no convincing and in the initial few days there might have to be certain times where you might have to pick up certain project which you know it is not the best methodology or you know like it might not give the best insights but it is okay sometimes to sort of uh, lower your bar a bit you know just to get that uh, earn the trust of the people you know trust is earned one insight at a time and uh, you know when you are a user researcher and people need to trust you and you know sometimes we as researchers we know by doing this nothing is going to happen but unless they see it in front of their own eyes they won't believe it so just go ahead and do what they are saying and show the kind of uh, output you are getting and then you do it the way you want to do it and then show the output that becomes much easier it's that show don't tell kind of a principle right and then you know like go ahead and first while it is always you know exciting for researchers to pick up like a generative research project because that's like the meaty thing and we love those things but when it comes to research do not pick up you know generative research immediately tell you some uh, quick wins 
what are those you know like low hanging fruits you know something like a heuristic evaluation or you know usability testing or even a survey what are some of those small wins like i said trust is earned one insight at a time and when you deliver those little little wins one at a time then people will start trusting ah okay otherwise you start a company and you say okay it was nice meeting you all now i'm going to take off for 3 months to do this generative research project and then come back after 3 months to meet you all that's not going to fly because you first of all you wouldn't even know in an early stage company what are the questions to ask who who you should talk to and everything so you need to build your own domain knowledge as well as influence so these are some of the things i would say and um, how to pick projects how to work with stakeholders and then you know it comes to you know picking the tools which are most relevant for the company and you know systemizing the processes in the initial phase you might have to you know do certain things manually as well you might not have all the tools or uh, things like that you might be used to certain tools but the company is using certain tools just give it a fair try and see and then you know once you have executed one or two projects but keep documenting at every project because you know only then you yourself will know like ha huh, is this process effective is this tool effective keep documenting at the stage where you feel this can be repeated even if you are removed out of the equation that means that process is set that tool is set and the framework is set so slowly you can start you know like maybe hiring people or you know training other people to do certain things and so on Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, it does. It answers in a holistic way because it covers <laughs> the pre-production part of getting hired. Yes. <laughs> yes. So thank you so much for that. And I could resonate with your story a lot. I love the quote: "Once earn trust, one insight at a time." And uh, when I initially joined my current company, um, I was expected to do validation research. as a support function to design because that is what they wanted they wanted to yeah. see how the designs are working and in all my podcasts i had heard that you know don't be the validation monkey <laughs> don't just do validation testing and i kind of feel ashamed in admitting that okay my first few projects are about validation only yeah. however i did not push through yeah. in the sense i I did not sit on my boss's head that okay, I wanted to do generative research. I let it take its natural course, and uh, did a generative study out of the blue without any heads up on my own. And now there is a culture being created where people are actually understanding the value of research not just after product formation, but mm-hmm. also before it. That okay, it can actually give us the right direction on where to work. and mm-hmm. then how to work in some cases and then validation to now i have like ingrained it in the dna <laughs> that we have to validate all the designs so you know the shift from not just validation testing but to also get ideas out of users that okay mm-hmm. and that is where generative research comes in right so mm-hmm. my portfolio is also budding in that way such mm-hmm. that neither my portfolio is harmed and neither the company's interests are harmed so let it take its natural course and obviously winning trust is the first thing because people are not familiar with the ways of user research it's and it's such an intangible thing to explain to someone i mean like you're a designer you can show your designs but 
how do people know that you are a good user researcher <laughs> i know if only thoughts could be made physical that would be very easy for make our jobs easy yeah yeah absolutely so a lot of it is about evangelizing earning trust yeah. uh, thank you so much for bringing that point up validation study shouldn't get so much hate <laughs> <laughs> yeah and no validation study is usually 100% validation there is a tinge of generative research which sits in that either there is a seed of a generative research waiting to be explored in the next thing or you know something which adds to a previously that research yeah and i think when i came in it was the first time we did a triangulation in the science first doing qualitative and then quantitative so you know when you bring in such ideas and people see the impact of it they actually start trusting you more as you said and yeah. you also brought up the point that you know um first you can try their way and then your way i'm not sure that if i'll have the time to do both the things i mean that is also a factor right and huh, that's there it's again you know like what i say is like you know pick your battles wisely Uh, the the best way to ensure you have a winning streak is to pick your battles wisely so you know like uh, be very creative in you know how you do certain things you know if maybe they are asking for something you know maybe do half of that and you know half of what you had in play and find a middle ground kind of a thing yeah and another thing thank god i learned before any damage was done is not to criticize like you know i think yeah. i had this egoistic sense that you are wrong you don't know anything I and i am telling the truth so i'm not wrong but <laughs> also the way you say it and because when you criticize harshly what happens is that your tone and the harshness becomes the debate rather than the actual thing that is important that is that the essential yeah yeah so i learned it like after two months of becoming a researcher <laughs> that because initially i also thought that users are my star and mm. the product managers i just need to correct them then i understood that product managers are going to give you the bonuses and money <laughs> and you are just a medium between the pms yeah. and the users and be a good one you have to listen to both the sides yes yeah that's very true that's very true so shridhar let's switch gears now explore a very different domain which is very relevant i feel that i stumbled upon user research and this is the first field where i don't have much compartmentalization in my head that okay i'm a researcher now and i am a doctor now and you know you get the idea right when you are a software engineer you have that coder mm-hmm. mindset and then some yeah. other mindset it it is also siloless and mm. uh, your journey has also been like that right you became an engineer and then a designer a user researcher and now you are a mental health coach mm. i mean that is testament of the siloless nature of this field so yeah. you are also a spiritual person and i am also a spiritual person so mm. how has all these aspects help you become a better user researcher mm. and can you just shed light upon the siloless nature of the field so that you know people are not tunneled in their vision that yeah. okay we have to do this i only have to do that they yeah. can explore other territories and apply that here and yeah. you are i guess the best person to talk about that <laughs> sure sure you know like happy to share my journey 
so like you said you know i started out as a developer you know i'm an engineering grad and then you know i tried a bunch of different things that engineers do after they graduate and i ended up in user experience design domain because i found it to be the intersection of uh, technology as well as human behavior the two things which i enjoyed the most right and uh, so even though like that shift was huge like after working as a uh, developer for 7 years i had to make a shift and it was again have having to start at the bottom uh, of the career ladder so as to say but you know there were certain things you know which i had right like a practical experience of working in companies and how product development typically works and you know like what will happen after the designer does the handoff i kind of knew that portion so i could kind of like you know reverse engineer things and that became like my usp so as to say so i that is the perspective which you know like i brought to the field and uh, you know like even when after i got into ux design like you no know, i was always more energized when i was talking to users when i was trying to you know like do that analysis but trying to bring order to chaos <laughs> that's the best way i could describe user research or making the form this form so that is you know that's the th- activities which kind of energizes to me and which is where you know i ended up you know specializing as a user researcher because it kind of aligns with my personality type to do deep work to be more in contact with people to be empathetically listening to others uh, holding space and things like that and you know uh, ux research is one domain which has been very open it has welcomed people from so many different professions so i have uh, seen a lot of people uh, you know who uh, worked as therapists or in the mental health they have come to user research because again the principles of connecting with people and speaking with people remain the same and in psychology uh, you know they do a lot of research they do quantitative research as well it's just you know the paradigm changes and i've even seen uh, people come from an architecture background into research because they are also they are doing some kind of a research and they are trying to you know understand something vague and ambiguous and trying to make sense of it all right so you know that way which research kind of absorbs you know the different skill sets that people bring to this particular domain and it allows them to like use it to add value to the customers at the end of the day and i am one of those exceptions who came into ux research and have now exited to a mental health domain as opposed to people who have done the reverse and the other thing which you mentioned right you know like a siloless you know when i hear that word for me it feels like you bring your different aspects of your personality or your whole self you know to this job see when you are uh, say a developer you know you might have so many interests and everything but at the end of the day the computer is going to understand only zeros and ones so you are still bound by that particular thing a designer would have a much more freedom right like for instance they could use their own artistic flair and their own you know like uniqueness to the designs that they create similarly for you know ux research domain right you can have uh, you know like two ux researchers could conduct the same research and come up with completely different insights as well they could be given 
the same set of data points and they could come up with different insights because we all have a different perspective on things. See, there is like certain bit of bias in everyone, right? So it is like, you know, and I wouldn't call bias in the negative sense here. It is bias is nothing more than the way in which we look at the world. And sometimes, you know, having people who have a different point of view of looking at the world, you know, it really helps. And for me, you know, like I've always been interested in understanding how the mind works. You know, this is something I've been doing even before I heard about UX design. I've been reading so many books on psychology and I read a lot of books on spirituality as well, which talks about the understanding of the mind, the workings of the mind. And it's been detailed in so much depth that it's fascinating. And I've always found, you know, like this very interesting and I was naturally drawn to all of this. So for me, you know, when I look, I know hear the word siloless, you know, it kind of allowed all these aspects of my personality to come into play when I was a researcher. You know, I was just reading about this concept called reflexivity in research, where mm. the researcher is reflecting upon his or her position in the society and what are his or her shortcomings and things like that. And to be a good researcher, you have to first and foremost understand yourself. And I couldn't agree more with this school of thought because knowing about myself has led to me becoming a better colleague and a better user researcher. And uh, it is more important in our field because we have to deal with human beings all the time. Yeah. And I like to quote Taleb here again. He says that in this modern world, the distance between the creator and the user mm. is widening. And mm. that is where user researchers, the messengers are becoming more important. Yeah. And yeah. to become a good messenger or the good medium, you have to understand all the aspects of human behavior because you're dealing with a lot of <laughs> humans, yeah. emotions, um, thoughts, perspectives. So getting to know yourself is of utmost importance. It's not optional anymore, I think, especially mm. with this statement, right, that the gap between the creator and the user is increasing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, right? Like we talk about removing bias and research. How will you remove something that you do not even understand or know that it exists? And to understand that, then you have to, you know, make the unconscious conscious. So there is the work of, you know, working upon yourself and this introspection and the constant improvement. And the other thing which you said, yes, we are in so much of close contact with people and being a user researcher is a good thing to, you know, get your ego in shape. <laughs> people will, you can ask some questions, people will answer, give a different answer. They might be late or they might be in a bad mood. You have to accommodate all of that and you have to think on your feet to you know like make the best use of the situation yeah absolutely absolutely i agree with this like i feel that user research has helped me become a better human so absolutely. yeah i'll always be indebted to the profession for this that yes. not only you're feeding me but also helping me evolve so, <laughs> yes we're all karma yukis yes. <laughs> yeah absolutely so had a great discussion with you, Sridhar. This is like a very beautiful note to end on. 
that you know talking about ourselves talking about our biases and i would also like people to know about your work what you are doing so please mm-hmm. go ahead the stage is yours Sure. So yeah, so you know, like recently, I made a switch to you know, like move out of user research and to become a mental health professional. So you know, work was going good and everything was going good. I enjoyed you know being a researcher, but there were still certain aspects of it which I was yearning. right and that is where you know i like being able to help people and you know i was doing a lot of mentoring within the company and outside the company and all of those things brought me more joy than the work that i was doing right and my entire career graph has been a choice of elimination i've literally optimized my career to by eliminating the things that don't give me joy so in user research if i eliminated everything which i do not like the only thing which stands is you know like speaking to people and you know understanding how the mind works so when it came down to that the natural choice seemed to be becoming a therapist and uh, you know i have had my you know fair share of uh, challenges to overcome physical health challenges mental health challenges and things like that and you know there was a bout of uh, insomnia which i was going through and uh, during which you know i was on an antidepressants i was working with a, a psychologist to understand the cause of it and and you know it was a very painful journey and there was a lot going on in my life uh, so i was trying to like get a handle on things right uh, so that's when you know i tried this technique called rapid transformational therapy and i found that very phenomenal and liberating instead of me having to learn a million models and jargon it gave me a framework to be able to process my thoughts and emotions in a healthy manner i know like a, as a layman i could still understand oh why am i doing this oh this could be the reason okay let me try something like that it kind of simplified you know therapy and healing for me so that is when you know like i decided okay let me just study to be a therapist i'll just do this uh, on the side kind of like chicken soup for the soul and you know i'll you know figure something out as time goes by but you know by that uh, time i was close to graduating i knew that this is where i you know like fit and to be honest to a certain extent i've always known this is where i kind of fit but i was kind of reluctant to accept it or you know move into you know like a mental health space but then i decided you know i'm like 34 if i don't do it now when else am i going to you know do my life for myself right and uh, do the choices that i want to do and thankfully i also had the privilege and option to take such a huge uh, risk for the lack of a better word and you know go all in so that's when you know i decided to you know part ways with ux research and you know head full time in practicing as an rtt uh, therapist and you know uh, helping people so that's been uh, you know my journey of what uh, drew me in towards uh, this domain and now i typically work with you know mid career professionals and i help them with you know finding confidence at work and clarity in life yeah i would like to share one thing here that you know as a researcher sometimes you will also have to be the therapist oh absolutely <laughs> there's no doubt about it i mean i think i might be using the wrong word but you have to listen to other aspects of people's stories so that they have trust in you and they can share with you what is actually useful to you or else it will feel transactional right yes. 
that is very much true we are uh, you know as a user researcher you are a therapist for a product <laughs> here you become a therapist for people <laughs> absolutely thank you so much for sharing your story shridhar this was a fantastic conversation oh it was you know like wonderful catching up with you again swikriti and thanks for having me over and i hope my story you know inspires many more people to get into ux research all right take care bye bye